Glad to see them here today. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Well, I've often wondered what to preach. I got home late last night, and, and it was about 4 o'clock, I guess it was, when I finally decided to try to go to Sleepy Land. And my neck got so sore that I thought, man, how bad is a stiff neck. And, uh, but maybe the Lord will help us today some way. Amen. Praise God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and say we're in the house of the Lord today. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be his name, blessed be his name. Then you can be seated, amen. So many reasons why I love the Lord. So many reasons I can count them. So many reasons why I trust His Word. So many reasons I can't count them. One is how he saved me at an old-time altar. He placed a joy within my heart, I know. He changed my life completely, gave me hope for tomorrow, and that's the reason why I love him so. So many reasons why I love the Lord so. Many reasons I can count them. So many reasons why I trust His word. So many reasons I can count them. Amen. Shall we stand and love the Lord one more time? And I want you to stand in the reading of God's word. Praise his holy name. Praise his holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the book of Isaiah, the 58th chapter, starting with verses number 1 and 2, and then verses 9 through 12. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my way as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in the approaching to God. Verse number nine. Then shall that cow call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger that speaketh vanity, and if thou draw out of thy soul to the hungry, 
and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then shall the light rise in obscurity and the darkness be as noonday. Obscurity from dark. This word in the Webster meant very dark. And if thou draw out thy soul to hunger and satisfy the afflicted and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then shall the light rise in darkness or obscurity of very darkness and the darkness be as noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in the draught and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, and thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called, and this is what I want to preach from, the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the past to dwell in. Master, speak to us today. Help us, God. We need you. God, I'm not where I want to be. Help me, Lord, to obtain, to reach out that which you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, speak to our hearts today. And we'll humbly praise. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. When I begin to think of the word breach, it means to break, to surface from the water, or a leaping out, a repair of the breach, coming out, being different, and the restore of past to dwell in. I have, uh, I have an unusual background that I have not always, you can turn this off, I have not always been uh, raised and brought up into the atmosphere of a spiritual church. I could take you through childhood days and, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on. In fact, when I got about 18 years of age, I told my mother, I said, I'll never go back to church no more. I'm through. Church life is over with me. I want nothing to do with it whatsoever. And mother wept bitterly. And uh, she could not understand why. It was, seemed like it was, it was good for some, but I never could obtain that. And you're looking at a man tonight, this afternoon, that... Holiness was never really preached hard to him uh, from the very beginning. It was a fact that there was something that charged me and brought me into love God. And that's what I want to preach about. You know, loving God is not just a bunch of laws of thou shalt not. Thou shalt do, thou shalt not do. And you know, when you're governed by a set of laws... Laws are something to be broken. and But there's got to be an inward transaction of something that, that draws you and, and leads you and, and to, to breaks up the, uh, the natures of the individual that you are. I, I said the other night that uh, 
if you talked in tongues in the church where I grew up, well then you was, you was considered to have a gift of it. And then not only that, but this was very limited only to one or two people in the church. It wasn't limited to everybody, just a handful. And uh, they never taught about a whole lot, only being baptized in Jesus' name. I remember being taught don't drink Coca-Cola because it, owned, it was owned by the Catholic Church. Every woman wore black hose because uh, you weren't supposed to wear anything but black. And the only way you're supposed to put your hair up was put in a granny knot behind your head. A woman was. And of course everybody that ever dressed up wore a black suit or a blue serge suit. And uh, there wasn't many colors really to pick from. We had black and blue, and and I don't remember ever my pastor as a young man ever, or as he pastored, ever had anything but a black or a blue suit or a dark suit of some nature. And uh, I remember when God began to lead me into, I'm going to take my time, I'm going to preach for a while today. God began to lead me into uh, uh, the real truth of God. And I want to I want to tell you today that there's not a man on the face of the earth that believes holiness any more than what I do. But I, I'm thankful that, that holiness is not a set of laws that you can't do, you can do, and so forth. I could probably mention a few things that would be kind of the borderline that I wouldn't do because that I don't want to... Uh, uh, touch the Holy Ghost in any nature that to grieve it in any way. The Bible said grieve not the Spirit of God. But you know, I wondered, you know, some people say, why do you want to live holy? Why do you want to be holy? This is supposed to be a holiness day and, and I can't uh, be impossible. I mean, we've heard a lot of holiness and so forth, but I, what I want to preach to you today is the fact is the restorer of the breaches, the restorer of the path. What, what causes an individual to be directed like this? What, what brings a person under subjection? Uh, I don't want to say bondage, but what causes an individual to be able to just, it just doesn't matter any longer. And that's what I want to preach about today. And I thought that my uh, oldest boy was going to get on my subject and and uh, then he said, well, I'll just leave that alone. And I thought, thank God you're going to leave that alone. You're going to let something for daddy to preach. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. And uh, a lot of people say, well, what about all this holiness? Is it right or is it wrong? And uh, uh, I mean, what, what, what does this all mean, you know? And so really holiness means a separation unto God, means set apart. In the book of Exodus, it tells us a few things here. If you'd like to turn with me in Exodus, the 19th chapter, and uh, starting with verse number 3. Amen. Exodus 19 and verse number 3. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, a protective nature, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar people. I remember when I went back into part of my home country, 
hey, they wanted to know what in the world ever got a hold of me. I mean, I was kind of like a, a, a sore, you know. Don't, don't get too close to me because I don't want this to rub off. Well, you don't need to worry about this, you know. Like a lot of people come in the church and keep your hands off of me. Don't touch me. Well, I couldn't give you anything. <laughs> Amen. A peculiar people, an unusual people. You know, one of the greatest compliments, and the young lady's supposed to be here tomorrow night, and uh, uh, she said to me, she said, at Denny's, she waits on us, she's been waiting on us, she said, I want to ask you a question, sir. She said, you're a minister. And I said, yes. And she said, you're different. She said, all the rest of them are so sad around here. What makes you different? I said, what's you to be sad about something that's so beautiful? She said most of them act like that they're, they're afraid to crack their face for a smile or anything. She said they, they leave a track and put a penny on it. I said, how ridiculous. I said, I've always taught my people. I said, if you're going to go eat, I said, you're supposed to leave a tip. That's how they make their living and so forth. I mean, you've done destroyed your testimony. A peculiar people, an unusual people from the very beginning. Stay with me for a while. I'm, I'm going to go on somewhere. And the Bible says... In, uh, in starting with, he said, you shall speak to the children of Israel. In Exodus, the 19th chapter, which I was reading, and the Bible said, ye shall be a kingdom of priests, verse number six, a holy nation. And these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces and these words which the Lord commanded them. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Holy living comes out of something that we don't like to talk about. It's called an altar. That's what I want to preach about today. I want to preach about an altar. You know, in the book of St. John, the 12th chapter, the Bible speaks of an unusual situation that uh, it's so unusual for the natural individual to ever understand the germination of a seed. The Bible tells us in John the 12th chapter, in verse number 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. I remember when God sent me to school for, I only went one year to Bible school, and uh, others went more. I'd made up my mind to go there and to stay there. I told uh, Brother Foster, Tom, uh, Tom Foster in West Monroe, and uh, I said to him, I said, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to graduate from this place. But I was so miserable, I wanted something from the Lord, to receive something. And here I was older than the average individual that was there. I was about 32 years of age. And I said, God, all of these young men, they have they got more knowledge. They've got more of everything than what I have. Lord, you don't need me. You don't I don't have anything that that would be worthwhile that you could spend to mold my life to do something for you. I remember 
many nights that uh, everybody went to bed and, and I was miserable and uh, I decided that I wanted something different number one the thing was that bothered me I can't play a guitar my brother could play my sister could play a piano but nothing was handed down to me as, as far as the musical ability because I was too mean. I had too much mischievous stuff in my life in order to, in other words, I wanted to uh, do other things, play ball so forth, instead of just uh, taking time out to, to study or to try to perfect myself to, to do something of this nature. And I said, my wife can't sing. There's no, really, there's nothing we can do. Lord, how can you? How can I do anything for you, Lord, without any ability of any kind? Lord, I'm a black sheep of the family. They've said that I was a black sheep, and uh, I always was. Seemed like that when things was going good, I always got seemed like the last part of it. And as I began to pray and I began to seek the Lord, the Lord become real to me, and uh, in Houston, Texas. And that little old home that we was living in. I remember nights upon nights where that they was goosebumps upon goose goosebumps, and it felt like my feet was dangling in ice water, and the place was embanked with angels as God began to talk with me. He was trying to share with me a few things. If you'll die, you'll be able to live. And I began to say, Well, Lord, I need some encouragement. I need some help. I need some guidelines. The church that I was going to was not a spiritual church. I was dying. And God sent me there, and I couldn't get away from it. Like a lot of people, you know, they just say, well, that's the will of God. I'm just going to go. But God broke everything that was in me. You stay right there. Don't you move. You say, how do you know this? I went one day to a man of God who's dead, went on to his reward. A man is my father, actually spiritual father, not my pastor, but a spiritual father in the Lord, Brother Leo Upton. And I said to him, I said, Brother Upton, I want to talk to you for a while. I've got a burdened heart. He said, well, sure, Brother Davis, come on in and talk to me. And he was preaching revival for Brother Glass in, in Pasadena. And uh, he took time out, and, and uh, I went to one of his meetings one night, and, and he saw me in the back of the church, and, and, and see, I was a nobody. Nobody knew me or anything. And I remember him crossing his eyes around, and he looked back here, and he said, uh, we got Brother Davis with us tonight. Good to see you. And when altar call came, he, he, he looked around, and he motioned for me, come up here. I want you to help me. I got a lot of things to do. I want you to help me. Me? Help you? Who you want me to be? Water boy? Handkerchief? Caring? Whatever? Don't matter. And I said, I want to talk to you, Elder. I got to talk to you a few minutes. I got some things that I want to talk to you about. He said, okay, come tomorrow. I said, number one, I said, the place I'm going, I said, it's just not what it needs to be. He looked me between the eyes. He said, don't move. Don't you leave. You treat him and you love him and you honor him 
And you do everything that you possibly can for that man to help that man. Don't you ever walk away from him. And then he looked at me and then he said these words. Hurry, son, for the Lord is looking for someone to walk in my shoes. And these words is to you, hurry. And I thought, how did he know this? How did he know the desire of my heart? How could I ever, how could I ever be used in the measure that this man was ever be used of to see the glory and the power of the Lord? And then back to my graveyard, back to my, my place of praying and seeking the face of God, back to the place of death. You know, holiness is not hard to live if you're dead. Now that's the problem. We're not dead. If we're dead, there, there's no, it doesn't matter. I mean, if I said to an individual, get down on your knees and take a, a, a little bowl of thread and, and, and run it to that corner on your nose. And you say, mm. And you just, you just run over. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My pastor will be preaching Friday night. And when I went to assist him, the Lord God of heaven spoke to me before I went. And these is the words that he told me. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever. He didn't say whether you agreed with him or you didn't agree with him. But whatever he tells you to do, do it. There was things I could not understand. And there were many times I went home and I had wept hours not understanding and thought maybe perhaps that I was mistreated or misused or that I was something beyond that which he was qualifying me for to do. But yet I knew what the Lord had told me. And then I had made up my mind and I put it into my heart and soul that whatever he tells me, I'll do it. I promise you, God, I'll do it. And the most beautiful words that he said the, day, the night that I left that church and went to Columbia, Mississippi, he said, church, he said, I want to share something with you. Never one time in all the years that Brother Davis has been here have we ever had one disagreement, not one. He has agreed, he has done, he has, he's, he's done everything that I've ever asked him to do, and he has fully obeyed that which I asked him. And I had told the Lord, I said, Lord, if I will be a good servant to you, I don't know why, I didn't even have this in my notes, but if I be a good servant to this man, that maybe someday, God, that you could smile upon me. There was many months, year or better, a year and a half went by. I was a nobody. I was the door locker. 
He gave me charge of the prayer room to cast out the devils to pray the people through the Holy Ghost. You don't counsel with nobody. You don't eat with nobody. You have no fellowship with nobody. You're a loner. I want you to know you're a loner. You don't talk to nobody. You have nothing to do with anybody. You don't go to their home. You don't eat with them. You don't fellowship with them. You're a nobody. Yes. Yes. I will do that which you say. Lonely. Lonely times. Lonely times. But he was breaking something in me that need to be broken. I was self-willed. I was self-made. What I couldn't do wasn't worth doing. I've always been an individual that if it broke, I could fix it. I never was a person that was ever brought down or to, to brought under surrender. But yet the basics of, of holiness. Back then, the rings wasn't, the jewelry wasn't, I mean, there was a lot of it in the churches and so forth. And it was, it was other things and so forth. That, of course, the television and so forth. They, it's not the things that we dealt with, deal with today as we had to deal with back then. It's completely different. It's a completely different church age almost than what it was back 20 years ago, 25 years ago. We're dealing with different things and different spirits and so forth. But God began to deal with me and began to mold me and began to talk with me about a few things. I remember the time when it came to our fellowship that, that it got on uh, hair pieces. I mean, it was a convention thing. It was a, it was a conference thing. It was everything. And I remember, I remember going through one of the greatest trials that I ever went through in all my life. And some men let me know that I was a liberal preacher because I did not preach against them. And all of a sudden, my wife's hair began to fall out by the handfuls. And all she had, and, and she's never really had a whole lot since, but just a few strands of just enough to put into a ball of, a hand, of her hand when it's wet. It just began to fall out. And I began to pray. I said, God, I said, what is this? What is it? I said, I believe it is repentance. I believe it's baptism in Jesus' name or hell. I believe it's holiness or hell. I believe it's, it's being filled with the Holy Ghost or hell. I know it's a holy consecrated living, but if I take a stand on something, I said, I want it to be with no exceptions. I don't care who it may come, whether it be my own family or whoever it may be, there'll be no exceptions. It'll be the same. It will be not be another guideline. We're living in an hour where there's many guidelines, many uh, we're decepted, we're deceived because we make exceptions for this one and we make exceptions for that one and we make exceptions for that one. I don't believe there's such a thing as making exceptions for nobody. It's either black or it's white. Uh, amen. It's either, uh, it's either right or whether it's wrong. Whatever it is, we need to hear from God and to know what God's telling us to do, my friend. I don't believe that we should have anything upon our head that even attracts or even looks like the world or even if to have the bangs and all the rest of it with the, the pieces and so forth. Amen. But God spoke to me something I'll never forget on my knees. He said, I want to tell you, son. He said, what would you do if a bald-headed woman walked in your church? I said, I believe I'd tell her to put something on that bald head. Well, everybody say praise the Lord. But when you put something on that bald head, you need to look just, just like the pastor's wife. And you need to be the exact 
duplicate image of her which is the mother of the church amen which God wants you to look just exactly like everybody say praise the Lord amen a corn of wheat if a corn of wheat had fall life is born out of death we've got to know our enemy amen everybody say praise the Lord you know if the devil would come to us and he would say I'm the devil I've come to deceive you you say get out of here leave me alone he will not come to you with horns on his head he will not come to you and in, in, in nature that you'd say hey that's the devil he's coming after me he's a deceiver he's one who comes in sheep's clothing he's the one that comes and and looks exactly like the real thing my friend and he comes to deceive and to destroy He'll send people into the church and you and, and if you're not spiritual, you say, hey, they're talking in tongues when tongues is not even of God whatsoever. It'll be of Lucifer, my friend. I've had people come to my church. I said, hush, shut up. Don't say another word. That's not God. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. I want to use a few things here and I'm going down to where I want to preach. First thing, there's four steps that he begins to uh, work with us on. Number one, he tries to make us impatient. You know, we want it, we want it now. We don't want it after a while. We want it right now. Impatient. And when we're impatient, it makes the second step of frustration. We get frustrated. We can't understand why it's not happening. And we want it to happen now. He never promised us that he would give us everything, but he said, I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory. When the man of God pointed and told me, he said, he said, son, he said, God is looking for you to walk in my shoes. It didn't happen, my friend, overnight. And it didn't happen. I, I just knew that when I walked out of there, the first one I lay hands on, man, they're going to be talking tongues like a Chinaman. Amen. Miracles going to happen. The dead's going to be raised and all this, that, and the other. But it didn't happen. But through, the but, but through the continuing of dying and weeping and sobbing and opened my heart to the Lord and God began to mold me and I began to die. Amen. And I began to, the Lord began to show me a few things. And one night as I woke up early in the morning, amen, my bed, my pillow was full of tears and I was weeping and I was crying and I saw rain that night and as it began to rain and the more I prayed, the more it rained. And when I, and I stopped and, and I said, Lord, stop this rain. It's destroying everything. Amen. And I began to cry out. And, and, and the sun brought forth and the rain stopped. And I began to pray. I said, God, what does that mean? He said, I'm going to send a rain, my friend. And one of these days you're going to get tired of it. And you're going to say, Lord Jesus, come. And I'm going to come after my church. And you're going to see me like you need to see me like the word of God says that I'll be. Amen. Everybody say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. And you know, I'll never forget. I was a nobody. Nobody wanted me. Nobody. Who's he? Oh, he's Brother Kraft's assistant. He prayed through the Holy Ghost in his church. Hey, you know, he just, he's just old Brother Davis. Permanent fixture around here. That's what some of them said. He'll never leave. He's one of them kind that'll, he just slid in, brother, he fooled Brother Kraft, and one man told Brother Kraft later, he said, ah, he ain't called to preach. There's nothing on him. 
He ain't called to preach. And as I begin to wonder, where are you, Lord? Where are you? And I, I remember, I said to my pastor, I said, what do you do to get a revival? What can you do? He said, pray. I thought, well, man, I'm doing that. He said, well, he said, just keep praying, fasting, asking God, so forth. He said, he'll open the doors. I don't know why I'm going into this. I, I had not planned this. I, this is not what, what I want to really preach about, but I'm going to throw it in anyway. But when God, when I made myself available to this, I got invited to preach a revival that he was supposed to preach that they didn't want me. They didn't have no, they didn't want me. I couldn't play no guitar. And my wife couldn't sing. And I was a nobody. I didn't know nobody. And it, all it was was a little old country church and, and they had 80 and they were satisfied with their 80 and all they wanted was just somebody to come in there. They had two or three seekers in there. They had one man that had prayed for 20 years for the Holy Ghost. They had another man that had prayed for 20 years and one woman for 40 years and they thought if they could get them people prayed through the Holy Ghost, man, they'd have revival and that's all they was interested in. But when I went there, amen, and, and, and God, I just stepped out on a limb, and all of a sudden, it was there. It was there, and the Holy Ghost fell, amen, and then God began, but it takes a dying. You've got to die before you can live, amen. If you've got a problem with holiness, my friend, I want to tell you what, you've got a problem of not learning how to die, and you've never died yet. When you die, you can be able to swallow anything that this word of God says that anointed preacher can preach to you. You can swallow it and say, thank God I love it. Thank you, Lord, for letting me have it, and I'm going to receive it and do it. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Then the old devil works with us with doubt, and then he brings discouragement. Amen. Why? God doesn't love you. He cares nothing about you. You know, I was praying about this this today, and uh, and I prayed about it. I've prayed about it for a long time, but never been able to put it together. And you know, I just come to the realization about something that personal with me. I need to look through the eyes of God. God said, "You need to look through my eyes and look at sin." We don't look at sin like God looks at sin. Oh, that's just a little illegitimate child. I beg your pardon, the eyes of God is a little bastard, that's what it is. Oh, they're just they're just living together, you know, just it don't mean a whole What do you mean don't mean a whole lot? Well, they just got a little bit of that. That that's 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 nothing. You know, I've seen worse things. Worse thing. What does God see it as? You know, I I I, I began to weep and cry. I said, God, I don't really believe all these years of preaching, and I've never really hated it like you hate it. I've never learned to hate sin like you hate sin. I've never learned to hate pervertness and all the rest of it as much as you've hated it and destroyed mankind for it. Come on now, I'm going to preach for a while. 
I'll tell you what, we don't hate sin like we need to hate sin. You wouldn't condone your children coming in your house and acting like they do. Living like they live and walking like they're walking. You say, oh, that's she, she just sinner, you know, so forth. Honey, I want to tell you what, the old timers had a different opinion about what sin was. I remember when my daddy went to see his sister and he hadn't, he'd been home and she came down. He hadn't saw her for 20 years. And she came down with a pair of shorts on. He looked at her and he said, my God, woman, what's wrong with you? He said, the last time I knew you, you had some sense. He said, you did put some clothes on back then. <laughs> he said, it's still the truth. You need to put some clothes on. Oh, you got one of them, you're one of them old Pentecostal I want to tell you what, it's time that the church begin to shine and begin to look through the eyes and like God looks at the church and looks at sin and sin is ugly. It's ugly. It's ugly. It's ugly. Come on now. Fornication is ugly. Sin is ugly. Adultery is terrible. It stinks in the nostrils of God. Lying is terrible in the eyes of God. It's an abomination. It's an extreme hatred. Come on now. Praise the Lord. Some of you got some lost loved ones laying around. You don't never be saved, honey. I got news for you. You've hypocrited for so long and you've lived like the world and put the world in your soul and they can't see nothing but the world in you. You ain't any different. But when you get the real genuine Holy Ghost and die and you begin to, begin to know him like you need to know him in the power of the real Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You can pet and pamper, amen, all you want to about sin. I want to tell you what, I preached over the countryside, and I want to tell you there's one way to have revival, is get the sin out. Get the sin out. And when the sin gets out, there'll be a glorious revival come to the church. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. He wants us to say, well, it'll never happen. Amen. In 1 Kings, hallelujah, everybody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm getting a feel and go where I want to go now. 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. And let's see what the word of the Lord says. Verse number, Amen. Jehovah versus Baal, Baal, and verse number 25 goes on down. And I want to use verse number, uh, starting with verse number 18. Amen. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou hast thy father's house, and that thou hast forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send together to all of me of Israel to Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal. 450 prophets of the grove, 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. Let's make a long story short. Here's 450 prophets say that, man, this is God's perfect will. But there was one person that said, uh-uh. The reason why there's a drought in the land is because that there is sin in the land. And the reason why there's a drought in the church, I won't tell you why there's a drought in the church, is because there's sin in the church. 
You know, I think it's a shame and an ungodly shame that an adulterer can sit back there and, and patty cake and praise Jesus in living in sin. Praise the Lord. I think it's a shame, amen, that our churches are filled full of people that are half in and half out. And we need to, men of God, we need to look at our church and preach to them, thus saith the Lord. You need to turn up your life and get where God wants you to be and you'll have revival. You know what I've come to the conclusion is? We build our altars, but we really don't know how to build them. He liked to get on a while ago. What I'm going to preach about. We need to restore the old past. The old past. A restorer. Coming out from the natural and being something that, that, that God filled you with the Holy Ghost to be. Here was a man that stood up and said, wait a minute, she'd go and build your altar. He stood back and mocked them, laughed at them, made fun. Said, maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation. Stood back there and laughed at him. <laughs> he did, he laughed at him. And he said, then he finally said, come on, man. He said, I'll show you how to build an altar. I need 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. And he built that altar and he said, now, the God that answers by fire, now, he'll be the God. You know the story well, and I'm going to hurry right through it. But when he said, oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I've been praying, and, and I, I, I've been praying. But you know, when I first got the Holy Ghost, when I first started preaching over the countryside, and more when he started preaching about Jacob, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph and them the other night. Jacob, the called out. What brought back some memories? I remember going to the little old churches throughout the countryside, getting a bottle of oil. And I used to throw my head back and say, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hear me. Everyone that sits upon this row, God smote their soul tonight and bring them to the altar. Every pew, every instrument, every door, everything. I prayed in the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. Come and be with us. I was praying things that I didn't even understand. I didn't know Jacob meant be called out or different. I didn't know none of that stuff. I wasn't educated enough of that, Brother Saul. I didn't know anything. All I knew was one or two verses of scripture. All I had was a couple of paragraphs. All I could do was stand there once in a while and prophesy, say, thus saith the Lord, and they would run to the altar, and God would heal them. God would raise the dead. I saw miracles and wonders, and now we become educated, and we got dead churches, we got dead altars, we got dead cities, and there's not a move of God in it. Oh, I'll tell you what, we become so educated, and we've educated, and we program God out of it. I'm tired of programming God out of it. I said, come on, do something to me. Mold me. Let me die that I might live. Oh, my Lord and my God. 
and when he called that name, the fire from heaven fell, and the sacrifice was licked up. God took it. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In Psalms 139, I want you to bear with me just a few minutes. Psalms 139. Hallelujah. Starting at verse number 20. For they speak against thee wickedly, thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? He said, I hate them with a perfect hatred. And I read that, I said, perfect. I've always been a man to strive after perfection. I've always tried to inbred in my boys. Do it right or don't do it. Let daddy do it. Just go on home and go to bed, I'll do it. If you ain't gonna do it right, don't do it. Leave it alone. Perfect hatred. And when I begin to think of perfect hatred, then it all come back to me again that I don't hate sin like God hates sin with a perfect hatred. A perfect hatred. No wavering, no shadows of a doubt. Perfect, straight hatred. And when you, my friend, church, and when you begin to look through the eyes of God, and when he looks at sin, and it stinks in his nostrils, and then you will have perfect hatred like he does. He hates it. time to quit daddy kicking and, and saying, well, you know, the Lord understands. The Lord doesn't understand sin. He said, come ye out and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean. Come on now. We got preachers that can do anything. Hallelujah. They not only can and ride horses, amen, they can put their mind and their heart into a filth book or some kind of filth, amen, and begin to rejoice, amen, to get their kicks. I want to tell you what my kicks comes in the Holy Ghost. I don't want the world. I'm tired of the world. I got out of the world. I was in the world. I come out of the world. They can have it. I don't want it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I
I told my wife, you can be seated. I told my wife, I said, honey, all these years, and I've never hated it. Like God hates it. I want to tell you what. I didn't come to preach to you. I come to preach to me. I want God to let me die fresh and I might know him. Perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me. Look me over God. And know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Do something to me, Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. I've got a long ways to go. And just a short way. And a time to do it. Hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to a verse of Scripture. And this is where I want to preach. Psalms 118, verse number 27. God is the Lord which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Some of you lived on a farm. Some of you, you've killed animals. There's nothing anymore that hurts me personally. I hate to see any animal die. There's something about that struggle of life. There's something about it. I've seen mother, they used to wring the chicken necks off. Then they decided to do it a little better. They'd take a hatchet and cut the heads off. But that jumping and turning and twisting and convulsions, all this going on, maybe for five minutes, and then finally, dead. We come to our altars, and we come up and we pray, God, wash me. Give me a new heart. And we don't stay long enough for God to send his angels to tie our sacrifice to the altar. Four horns on the altar. In the book of Leviticus, it tells us, it speaks about four horns. These horns got a hold of me several weeks ago as I began to read them. I couldn't find a whole lot of history to, to back what I was trying to, to bring. I was in Emporia, Kansas, and Emporia, Kansas is a slaughterhouse for animals. And I said to a man one time, I said, I'd love to go to the slaughterhouse. He said, Preacher, you don't want to go to that slaughterhouse. He said, men, they, they walk in blood knee deep. And some of them are so used to it, they take the eyes out of the animals. They said, they leave, put them in their mouth and look at you and make goo-goo eyes and so forth and try to scare you and do all sorts of things. I remember I preached there several times, and this is where Brother Harville's from, and I said, what is that stink? This is a stink in the city I've ever smelt in all my life. What is it? 
I've been around paper mills, pokey mills, all stinking bogalusa. It stinks. It stinks from skirt one end of the, end of town to the other end of town. I've never found one thing in Bogalusa that smell like an old rotten paper mill. It stinks. The water stinks. Everything stinks. I wouldn't want to buy anything. I won't get out as quick as I can. It stinks. But I'll tell you what, when I was in Emporia about midnight, they go, Ooh, what stink? What is that stinking? That's blood. Blood. They have so much blood that they put it into the incinerators and they burn it and they belch it up into the air. And you smell burnt blood. To the city, the people city said, Man, that smells good. That's money in our pockets. But to a visitor, who stinks? rotten dirty I said to one I said I'd like to go through this slaughterhouse he said no you don't want to go through that slaughterhouse he said they line them up and they put them into a chute like going and there's a man that's standing there it's got a machine that operates it's got a great big iron hammer handle it goes up like that and when the animal says it goes and it hits that animal right square in the head and it, and it just falls over the place and it just throws all kinds of contortions. And he said, he said, it is the most saddest, it is the most terrible scene that you've ever seen them animals struggling for life. And then God began to deal with me about the four horns of the altar, one to the east, one to the west, one to the north and to the south. Brother Reagan, I want you to lay on the floor. I want you to turn over, turn over. They built an altar five cubics wide. Five cubics, big altar. Five horns upon the altar, made of wood and covered by brass. Make them strong now. You're going to have an unusual job to do. And they took, and they took one of its arms, legs. And they took one of the other one. And they took and brought it over here. And they bound it up with cords. And they took and the other one, and they brought it over. And hooked it to the horn. And they bound it up. And they bound it up. And they took the other one over. And they took the cords. And they bound it up to the horn of the altar. I can see that animal saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And you know, the Bible says that the priest took the knife. What is the knife? The word of God is sharp. It's powerful than a two-edged sword. And that priest on that altar, and he got up beside that altar, and that sacrifice, this, this means the apostolic preacher, until the preacher has preached a sinner under conviction, and he'll get rid of his sins and turn around. He's not dead. You've got to die. Come on now, church. Let me preach for just a little short while. 
He took and found him. And the priest stood there. And he took the knife. And he chopped it into the animal. And the Bible says the blood came out. And when the blood came out. And the priest stood back. And it wasn't until the animal was dead. And then. And only then. Will the fire of God come down to the sacrifice. You can get up. Honey, I want to tell you what. You ain't going to see the fire until you die. Oh, you can get a little old twinkle light, you know. Just a little old, just a little twinkle. But the fire, the altar, he shall take the sacrifice and bind them to the horns of the altar. I think many times that we want to rush this job up down here. Rush it up. But oh, when we die, when we die. You know, it's sad to say that there's a large percentage of Pentecostal people never really died. They just don't understand a few things. They can't understand why that, that you preach what you preach and you do what you do. The fact is, you're just not dead. But when they tied the sacrifice to the altar, then and only then, God lights the fire. God don't need no self-lit fire. Everybody say praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Hallelujah. Bible says in the book of Hebrews let me just touch on for a minute the fourth chapter verse number 12 let me just say just a few words about it amen the Bible said for the word of God is quick is powerful sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing of the sunder of the soul and to the spirit and to the joints and to the mire and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart the word of God is sharp I remember when that preacher preached to me, I said, he's killing me. He's hurting me. He's killing me with that word. I was trying, he was trying to get me to die that I might be able to live. You know what they said about this old boy when he went to the altar? My pastor, he'll tell you that he told the evangelist, he said, you see that man over there? He's a hard nut to crack. You ask him when he comes, he'll tell you. He's a hard nut to crack. And they all waited around patiently to see how that old boy was going to crack that hard nut over there on the side of that altar. It was through dying. The word of God is sharp. It cuts both ways, going in, coming out. It's powerful. 
Hallelujah. There's nothing any more beautiful than the Word of God. Hallelujah. Some people have never got the Holy Ghost in the joints of their body. They don't know how to shout. They don't have no desire to shout. They're afraid to, to hurt themselves or something. They're afraid to really worship the Lord in the joints of the Holy Ghost. But you know, as I was studying a while back, the moral, the moral, that's where the blood's made. That's where the blood is created, in the moral of the bone. Some people have holiness right here. As long as I'm under you, Pastor, I'll agree with you. I'll do whatever you say. But when you go, honey, I got them hid upstairs in the attic somewhere, and I'm going to bring them all out, and I'm going to do what I really believed all along. But as long as you're here, I'm going to respect you, and I'm going to respect what you do, but I'm just going to hold back just in case you happen to go on down the road somewhere. You ain't going to heaven. You gotta have something down in the old gizzard. You gotta have something down into the marrow of the bone. I love the Lord because it's in the blood manufacturing plant uh, in the middle of the inside of my bones. Uh, I don't need somebody to hammer over my head and tell me not to have a television set. I don't walk in no hotel room. I've never walked in one and turned one on and I'm not about to do it today or tomorrow or the next day. There's something in my bones that says no. The reason why I wear my hair like it is is not because a preacher told me to. Only thing my pastor told me, he said, you're not wearing your hair quite right. I was wearing a flat top. He said, you might ought to let it grow out a little differently. I said, whatever you say. And you know, some of them said, well, you can always tell when Brother Davis gets a haircut. You're mighty right he can. You'll see the white sidewalls. That's not because I'm cheap, because I could buy one every week if I wanted one. But I want to tell you what, I don't want to be like the world. I don't want to be a part of the world. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to act like the world. I'm going to be different. And I'm not going to let it get on the edge of my ears because when it touches my ear, this old boy, I tell you what, it sets me crazy. I went in the barber shop and they said, what can I do for you? I said, cut my hair, man. It's off my ears. Well, you don't look like you need one, but I do need one. It's on my ear. It's tickling my ears. And when it starts tickling, get it off. Well, glory. I didn't mean to meddle. You know, I don't understand all that holiness. I can understand clearly. You know, when the preacher got preaching before I got the Holy Ghost, he said, bless God, you're going to pay your tithes or go to hell. I said, oh, come on, preacher, have don't be so narrow-minded. But man, when I got the Holy Ghost, I wanted to be a part of the flock. I'll have a tithe in March if this church gets to be 5,000 people. You know why I have a tithe in March in my church? It's because when I, when I, I used to watch my wife, he meant she had the Holy Ghost. I didn't have the Holy Ghost, and I was trying them pretenders, you know. Come on now. I was one of them pretenders, but when that tithing offering came up and she walked and set me aside, and I went, uh, uh, he's killing me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 
did. And I'll never forget when I got the Holy Ghost. Man, I tell you what, when I got the Holy Ghost, old time my man, big old smile on my face. down them aisles, drop that little envelope in that thing. I was so thrilled to death to be a part of something that was real. I've seen my pastor preach. Amen to blood. He took his handkerchief and wiped blood out of his mouth. And I'd go and say, hey, pastor, you're doing a good job. I like what I feel. I like what you're preaching. I'm going to preach a little more and preach a little heavier. I love it. 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 in a dead cold church there wasn't no moving of the spirit there was no gifts of the spirit there wasn't anything there was nothing and all the preacher you can be seated and all they knew how to preach was revelation and Daniel and Jeremiah and the prophets of old come on you Ohio preachers you know what I'm preaching about that's all they know about is Daniel Jeremiah revelation I want to tell you what there's more to the Bible besides Daniel Jeremiah and revelation amen there's a book of holiness and a way to walk with God and bring him up from the well and be his shepherds say the Lord we need to have a clear sound we need to blow a trumpet and we need to die at an altar glory you know what my daddy told me when he came down to be with us in church Dad was 68 years old. Taught the adult Bible class many years. Mother and dad loved God, walked with God. Never seen any supernatural spirit upon them. But their life was lived in such a way that the fruit of the spirit was there. I remember when he came to see me. And he got into an atmosphere like this church is. And he walked in to the living room. He said, son, he'd talk to you a minute. Sure, dad. What do you want to talk to me about? He said, me and mom have been sitting in a chair on the front porch out there and we've been talking. He said, uh, we've only been around here just a few months. And tears came to his eyes. He said, all these years, I've lived for God, and I've missed it. Missed it? Yes, son. I never realized the Holy Ghost was like it is until I got into an ex a, a, a church, into an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost was falling. Never in all my life have I ever seen it. I've never seen it like it before. And all these years, my life's been wasted. All these years, it's been wasted. Praise God. Holiness has never been a factor of a problem in my life. Sister Terry, I want you to come. It's never been a problem or a factor. Because you know, 
when I got the Holy Ghost, I wanted it so bad, Brother Milam, I wanted, oh, I, I wanted that Holy Ghost. And as I wept and cried and sought the Lord, and, and when I fully died, it didn't matter really what that preacher preached. I loved what I felt, and I was thankful for that which I'd received, and that's all that really mattered. Hallelujah. Everybody said, praise the Lord. When the priest done his job, the fire came down. We need to repair the breach. We need to come out. Amen. We, the breach in another translation. The walls are cracked. We need to repair the walls. Not change the foundation, but repair the wall. Amen. That was built upon the real foundation. We need to take the world, amen, out of our past and begin to love him. In the book of Ephesians, amen, out of our past and begin to love him. In the book of Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter and verse number 19. My little children of whom I travail in birth again till Christ be formed in you. And then he goes on to verse number 23. But he who was a bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was of the promise. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. And then in verse number 24, which things are allegory for those of the two covenants. For one was Mount Sinai, which gathered to the bond, which is Agar. We've been in bondage, my friend. Hallelujah. And as I was praying, and I was seeking the Lord, and the Lord began, as I went to bed last night, and I jumped back up, and the Lord said, you forgot something. And I, and I said, what, Lord? And the Lord said, in, in, in the Bible, it says that I will restore the years that the canker worm and the pommel worm has destroyed. Come on now. Let me read it to you. Amen. Verse number 23. Amen. The Bible says, Be, be glad then ye children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he hath given you the former rain moderately and he will cause it to come down for you and the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month and the floor shall be full of wheat and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil and I will restore to you the years, the years, the years, too many years have we went around and around and around and around and around and around and around, and around. wonder whether this is right wonder whether that's right come on die and you'll know what's right I don't care if they tag me as a fanatic you can tag me as a crazy man if you want to I didn't care when I was a kid they could call me the ugliest kid on the road but when mama said hey son dinner's ready I knew she had a plate for me she loved me. Oh, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of me. It doesn't matter what the church thinks of me. As long as when he calls, he's got a plate for me. I will restore. I will restore. And I thought again, I said, restore. And you know the reason why he's not restoring it? We're, we just don't hate the things God hates. I'm telling you what the Lord told me. I'm telling you we don't hate what God hates. 
we don't look through his eyes like we need to look through his eyes when we look through his eyes and see the nudity and the things of the world it's going to just uh, it's going to become sickening to you and when you look at the things like God looks at them and then you're going to understand his beauty praise God you know I thank God for a heritage I wasn't taught holiness as a child I really wasn't they all went to Buckeye Lake they all the young people went swimming that's what they did we wasn't taught no different I seen old brother Murray and them out there in a the bathing suit look like an old bear hanging out there in the water And I'm not running. I love the man. I'm not running him down. I never was taught. I didn't know. I didn't know. I remember when my wife got the Holy Ghost and she come home. She said, "My clothes is not right." I said, "Honey, you're a crazy woman. I've been in this thing all my life. Your clothes is beautiful. There's nothing wrong. But I don't have no sleeves in them." I said, "Oh, come on." I said, "They warm all." I said, "Since 1937 in the church back home, I said they always warm like that." I, I don't want to wash that thing you're washing there. Why? They always wash it up there. They've always washed it up there. That picture's got your brain washed. What's wrong with you? Well, I don't want to do that. Why don't you want to do that? Well, I just, I just don't want to do it no more. Why don't you want to do it? She said, I don't. I said, have you heard the preacher preach against it? She said, no. I said, well, why don't you wait until he preaches against it? She said, but God told me it's wrong. Come on now. Where is the real Holy Ghost at? I'm going to be like Brother Westberg for a minute. Amen. We, if we're going to be like the sister that's in the ground, we got to look like her. If we are the sister that's in the ground, we're going to have to look like the church that died for the truth of God. This modern day religion stinks, my friend. Our steeples, our padded pews, our carpet, our air conditioning. God don't care anything about that. What God wants is your heart molded at an old-fashioned altar, my friend. I'm going to close. I'll never forget. Oh, Lord. I'll never forget when Mama died. Dad said, uh, what do you want uh, of her to remember her for? We got a lot of dresses in here. Shoes. You want something special to remember her? No, Daddy, really, I don't. I don't want that. Where is that little old three by five book that when the pastor gave her when she was baptized in Jesus' name in this January the 1st, 1938, and she came out of the water talking in tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance, where is that book where she signed it and, and the pastor signed it? Where is that book? That's what I want. I think I know where it's at, son. And he went into his 
personal belongings and found that book brought it out and I said here it is son dad married brother Kraft's mother and they lived together about nine years and I went to see him and death was all over him on his face son I'm going home what do you want you remember my mama, mama's old American beauty arm, the first electric arm ever come out. I've got it up in the attic hid for you, son, if you want it. I said, yeah, I'd like to have that. I'll get it for you. Here's an old cannonball that was shot in the Civil War. I found it when I was 12 years old. You remember, I've told you the story many times, son. It's laying here on the mantle. Would you like to have that, take that home with you? I said, yeah, Dad, I'd love to have that cannonball. He said, I got something else you might be interested in. How about that book? That book, yes. That book. I want that book. I want that book. And when I go by his grave, I look at his grave. Dad, I love you. I know you're not there. I'm still preaching. I'm still living it. Hey, God, take one of the prayers he prayed for me. Put it on me today, Lord. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. God, I know you sacked him up. I know you sacked up his prayers. I know you caught his tears in a tear bottle. God, you got his tears in his prayers. God, take one of his prayers. Amen. It touched my soul. I need something. Come on, son. When you're disappointed and you're down, say, God, take one of my daddy's prayers and lay it on my heart. I got to have something. I got to have something. And it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. But I want to tell you what, church and preachers, you can have a revival if you want one, but you got to die. You got to be strapped to the altar, to the horns of the altar. I said to my daughter, Holy God, I said, do you know the words of that song? If I could hear my mother pray again, oh, how happy I would be. She said, no, I don't know. I said to somebody, I said, you know what? No, I don't know. You know what? No, I don't know. I know the course to it. But I remember her. <laughs> she used to go to bed. I'd listen to her pray. Oh God. Touch James tonight. Touch him. Lay your hand on him. I can't hear her pray. But I can reach into the realms of where God dwells. I can go to that prayer closet where she prayed.
and I can grasp and I can glean from one of them prayers. God, let me die that I might know you. I asked Brother Curtis to sing an old song. If I could hear my mother pray again. Oh, how happy some of you. Brother Reagan, my mama won't hurt me preach one time. So, and I just, and I'll never forget, I preached about the coin. And I fumbled over everything. It was such a mockery. It was such, oh, it was terrible. And I went home. She put her arm around me. She said, oh, son, that was the most beautiful message I've ever heard in all my life. That was so beautiful about the coin. I thought many times, oh, God, if I hadn't been so stubborn and so self-willed, my mama and my daddy could have seen more of what God had given me. My son, you don't know what you did yesterday. I said, God, I want somebody to prophesy to me. And you walked up to me and said, Thus saith the Lord. How long has it been since you died? And the preacher took and somebody took a knife and cut you. It's struggling. It's death. It hurts when the preacher preaches. It it hurt me until I died. But once I died, and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I can live, but I couldn't live till I died. And church, you'll never be able to live until you die. We'll never see the miracles, Brother Reagan, until you die. You'll never see what you need to see around the palace. Amen. Until you die afresh again. And the church dies. Amen. And all they can see is the glory and the power of the Holy Ghost. We'll never see it here until I die. But I'm going to tell you what, church. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm going to die. Like I've never died. I'm going to preach like I've never preached. I want to see his glory. I want to see his power. And I'm going to reach from every realm I can. From my mother's prayer closet. From my daddy's prayer closet. From every old brother Hooks' prayer closet. Where he prayed for me. And old brother Hook and all the rest of them. That prayed for me. I want to say God. Let me clean from that prayer closet. Shall we stand? Oh, God. Quit saying. If I could hear my mother pray again. If I could.
a praying mama. No, why don't you be a praying mama to your children? Come on, grandma. Why don't you show your grandkids not an inheritance but a prayer closet? What prayer really is all about? Shiny 
much to me if I could hear. 